a man named John was sent from God. He came for testimony to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to testify to the light. And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews from Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to him to ask him, Who are you? He admitted and did not deny it, but admitted, I am not the Christ. So they asked him, What are you then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. So they said to him, Who are you, so that we can give an answer to those who sent us? What do you have to say for yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the desert. Make straight the way of the Lord, as Isaiah the prophet said. Some Pharisees were also sent. They asked him, Why then do you baptize, if you are not the Christ, or Elijah, or the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water, but there is one among you whom you do not recognize, the one who is coming after me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to untie. This happened in Bethany across the Jordan, where John was baptizing. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus. One of my favorite parts of the rite of baptism is the handing on of the baptismal candle in which traditionally the godfather will take the light of the, from the Easter candle on behalf of his godchild. And then the prayers that immediately follow this exchanging or transferring of light is, emphasizes that now there is a responsibility to the parents and godparents to keep the light of Christ, which has just been, bur been lit within their souls, from being blown out by the winds of this world. And I think that this particular piece for me always drives home the dignity and significance of the sacrament of baptism. That indeed for us, within this great sacrament, is the beginning of our salvation. Traditionally, at the beginning of the sacrament, you ask the parents, what do you ask of God's church for your child? And the typical answer is baptism, but I prefer to have the family say eternal life. Because ultimately, that's what baptism bestows upon us. Without baptism, we have no salvation. We do not have eternal life. And as we've been journeying throughout this Advent season, there has been this emphasis we have been trying to place on thankfulness and gratitude. But I think in a special way today, whereas previously we perhaps focused a little more on the practicalities, how are we grateful, what are the little things we should be grateful for in our life, but instead now what I think we should focus on is gratitude for the sacraments. Because as it says in today's gospel, that ultimately John testifies to the light but acknowledges that he is not the light, indicates to us that the light of Christ is lit within our souls in baptism and is stoked by the other sacraments in our life, ultimately is not something that we had the power to create, manifest, or manufacture. It is a gift from the Lord, a gift that ultimately allows us to, at the same time, participate in God's own life. 
So it's not something that we can do in our own power. But at the same time, it's a gift that God gives us, gives to us to participate in the economy of salvation. And we see this participation aspect throughout all the scriptures. It shows up on the first pages of scripture in the book of Genesis. We hear God indicate to Adam and Eve that they are to be fruitful, go forth, multiply. A direct reference to the fact that he wants them to continue participation in his act of creating. He wants them to share in the act of creating life and bringing forth life. But then also, throughout the Gospels, we see that Jesus then invites first his apostles, but then also us, to participate in the salvation of the world, to go forth and proclaim the good news. And you see, in each one of the sacraments, we should be deeply grateful for the grace that God gives to us, to allow us to participate in a different aspect of his life. In the sacrament of confirmation, which traditionally follows baptism, is ultimately a bestowing of the power to witness to the gospel. God calls us to be evangelists. It's not something meant for the few, but for each and every one of us that have received the sacrament of confirmation. And also for those of you who are married. As it says in the vocations prayer that we pray at the end of our intercessions, marriages are called to be a sign of Christ's love for the church. And then also through procreation and having their children baptized. They continue to bring forth new numbers and renew the church throughout the generations. And then we see also in the sacrament of anointing that one who is anointed in the midst of suffering has a special grace to unite their suffering to the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then the priesthood, a gift for which I am not grateful enough for a gift that the Lord bestowed upon me, unworthy man that I am, but a gift that ultimately is necessary for the continued life of the church. Without it, the economy of grace withers and dies. Because without the priesthood, we do not have the Eucharist, the gift that keeps on giving. Jesus Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity the fullness of the life of the Godhead is given to us as mere men. And what a gift this is. But it is only through the words of the priest that this happens. And then at the same time, another thing that I'm always reminded of, where people always ask, what's your two favorite things about being a priest? Or what are your favorite, favorite thing about being a priest? It's always hard for me to say one thing. Obviously, Mass is probably the top. But at the same time, Confessions are way up there, too, and I would say are right on par. And I think that's so fitting, and I think so many priests give that same answer. I'm not alone in that. But the reason why that is such a beautiful indication of what the priesthood is for is because my entire life is ordered towards the Mass, towards the Eucharist. Because even in the sacrament of confession, after we have stained our souls following our baptisms, and even whenever we cause death to our soul by mortal sin, mortal sin then prevents us from being able to wordly receive Holy Communion. And we should not approach if we are in such a state until we have approached the sacrament of penance, the confessional, to receive the Lord's absolution. You see, even that in itself is ordered towards 
giving us the Eucharist, eternal life, as all the sacraments are ordered towards. As the Second Vatican Council told us, the Eucharist is the source and summit of the Christian life. The Mass is the source and summit of the Christian life. Because everything we do is ordered towards the Eucharist. At the same time, the Eucharist strengthens us to carry the message of salvation into the world. And so there's a cycle there. And even St. John Vianney stated that the world could sooner do without the Son than the Mass. And what the heck did he mean by that? Because obviously without the Son, we'd wither and die, right? But at the same time, his point is, is that without the Mass, we do not have salvation. We do not have eternal life. And eternal life is more important than this life. And so it's of the utmost importance for us to recognize the great gift that we are given in this sacrament. God gives us everything. His Son held nothing back on the cross, and through the Mass and through the Eucharist, He holds nothing back from us whenever it comes to grace. As St. Faustina reports that our Lord said to her, it's not us, it's ultimately not us who tire, or it's not, uh, it's not God who tires of giving us graces in the sacrament of confession, but also in communion. But it instead is us, indifferent souls that we can be, that prevent God from dispensing the fullness of his grace. And I think that's why, as we give thanks for all the sacraments, I want to encourage all of you to give thanks for the gift of your baptism. Without it, we don't have eternal life. What a gift your parents gave to you. What a gift the Lord continues to give to us in that sacrament. Sacraments of marriage, priesthood anointing, penance, then especially the gift of the Eucharist. And of all the saints that have ever commented on reception of Holy Communion, they're pretty much universally of the opinion that after Holy Communion, we should do thanksgiving. We should give thanks. We should do gratitude to the Lord for the gift of Holy Communion. And pretty much all of them say, for 15 minutes. Why? Because for 15 minutes, after you receive our Lord in Holy Communion, you become a walking tabernacle. The presence of God himself in the Eucharist dwells within you quite literally. The red vigil lamp that you see burning in the church is an indication of the true presence of Christ that, that is dwelling in the tabernacle. In the same way, whenever we receive Holy Communion in a worthy manner, the light of Christ that was lit within our soul in the sacrament of baptism is ultimately made to burn brighter if we're open to the graces that are given to us. And by the act of thanksgiving, we need to use the image of St. Charles Borromeo, ultimately within the furnace of our heart, can stoke and build up that into a burning furnace of charity, of hope, of faith. So I want to encourage you that whenever you receive Holy Communion, do not simply leave the church. Return to your pew. Give thanks to God for this great gift. 
It is the most wonderful thing, the most intimate moment we will have in this life with our Lord. Don't allow it to pass you by. In our pews here, we have Lift Up Your Hearts booklets. And so many of the saints fail to express so much more beautifully than what I ever could, what we ever could, that what that Thanksgiving can sound like, can look like. And as you look at those prayers, express your gratitude to him for this great gift. He wants to strengthen us, to give us more. And by giving him that time after Holy Communion, by staying here, and then even I would encourage you after Mass to make a short Thanksgiving if you're able. The Lord will do wonderful things in your life. It will be transformative. And so I want to encourage you in that. Because ultimately, it is such a gift. All the sacraments are such a gift. God allows you and me to participate in his life, even in the sacrament of penance. For yes, we receive mercy, but then there's also an encouragement in that sacrament that if we truly live out the Our Father, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Whenever we have our sins forgiven in the confessional, we're absolved. We are also called to show that mercy ourselves. And so we should see that the light of Christ has been lived within our soul. That in confirmation we are then strengthened to give witness to. We are ultimately reminded here that God wants to make each and every one of us his disciples. He wants each of us to be saints in training. And ultimately in showing gratitude for the sacraments, we increase their effectiveness in our life. We increase their effectiveness in the world. And so today, give thanks for the gift of your baptism, marriage, and all the other sacraments that you have received. These gifts which give to us again and again the light of Christ. The light of Christ which you are called to bring to a world thrown in the darkness of sin. That all might come to know, love, and serve our loving God.